1: good afternoon and welcome to one hour at a time recovery begins with education and host mary woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process now here's your host mary woods
2: hello good afternoon and welcome to the show this is one hour at a time with mary woods filling in for mary is moa saracen And I'm here today with our uh, wonderful guest, Audrey, uh, uh, excuse me, Andre Aubrey. uh, Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm so glad to be here with you. We're super happy to have you on with us today. Um, So... Audrey is a a licensed clinical social worker. You've been working um, in the industry with tobacco cessation for a very long time, um, all the way back to 1999 when you um, worked in a treatment facility for tobacco dependency and then uh, co-wrote a six-week smoking cessation intervention group called Quit Smoking Now. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Wonderful. Well, I can definitely see here it's going to have a lot of... uh, things to talk about today. Um, Why don't we start off with just telling me a little bit about um, yourself, how you got started, and and really the message that you want to bring across today.
3: Okay. Well, thank you for that nice introduction, and as you mentioned, I did start working in this area of tobacco in 1999, and at the time I was the director of a community-based not-for-profit called an Area Health Education Center, and I had a board member who was the medical director of a county health department who kept talking to me about how important it was for us to help people quit smoking, and he would always say an investment of even a modest amount of our resources will have such a tremendous effect. So with my colleague, Mary Daly, we started um, in rural communities training doctors and nurses how to do a better job of helping their patients quit tobacco. And we quickly realized that it was difficult for the health professionals to intervene if they didn't really have a reliable um, referral resources that they could send their patients to for more intensive treatment. So we started initially working with the American Lung Association and their wonderful Freedom from Smoking program, and then later wrote our own um, group intervention, as you mentioned, called Quit Smoking Now. And since that time, I have uh, moved to the College of Medicine at Florida State University. I did that in 2007, and I'm the director of their Area Health Education Center. We have a grant from Florida's Department of Health and the Bureau of Tobacco-Free Florida. And so for several years, we've been working with various um, behavioral health organizations within the state to try to make sure that people who have um, substance abuse disorders and are struggling with mental illness have better access to treatment and really get the message that they can quit smoking. And so we've also um, developed a tobacco treatment specialist training um, for health professionals, and that's a nationally recognized credential. And our College of Medicine has one of about 14 accredited programs in the United States. So we've been working with about 20 or 25 um, behavioral health organizations around the state um, to train their clinicians and their staff to do a better job of helping people quit smoking, really quit all tobacco products. I know that there's many myths uh, that people with mental illness benefit from smoking and that people with schizophrenia in particular Benefit from improvements in um, their ability to pay attention and improve cognition. And I think that that's a pretty pervasive myth um, and complicated issue that really has uh, prevented us from doing a better job of helping people quit tobacco
2: yeah andre that's a that's a wonderful point I mean I think there's a lot of um, research out there that shows that people who suffer from mental illness um generally die twenty five years younger, and you know I think it's important to uh dispel that myth about you know how the nicotine is actually helping them with their substance use or or anything like that is there um would you like to dive into that a bit more about how um perhaps you know the advantages of, or whatever um, Mm -hmm. advantages people might think there might have to nicotine
3: um, being used while in substance use treatment. Well, you're really right about that, Melissa, because um, not only do people with serious mental illness die 25 years younger than the general population, most of those deaths occur because of cardiovascular disease. Respiratory diseases like lung cancer, COPD, and emphysema, and cancers. And those are illnesses that are directly attributable to tobacco use. So we know that if we could help people quit tobacco, we really could have an impact on that because tobacco contributes to more deaths in people who have mental illness than their primary behavioral health disorder. So unfortunately, um, you know, one of the things that happens is because there is such a focus on treating that primary behavioral health disorder and helping people have a better quality of life in terms of their mental health condition, the treatment of their tobacco dependency kind of gets pushed into the background. Um, and that's, that's fine, you know. All people have to find the right time to make that quit attempt, but it can't always be on the back burner. You know, clinicians have to do a better job. And advocates, frankly, um, you know, have to really get the message out that, that everyone is capable of quitting when they have the right kind of support and the right treatment in place. And that's the really big, you know, if that we want to talk about.
2: Right. Absolutely. And and, you know, my thoughts are perhaps um, you know, while already receiving treatment for uh, these other items, that um, it might be possible that it might actually be beneficial for that to actually be the time should the person be you know in a place where it's appropriate and and they're able to deal with that. Um, What kind? Mm -hmm. Do you have much information on you know the possible benefits of actually trying to do it at the
3: same time, simultaneously with treatment? Well, one of the advantages is that you're out of your normal environment. So if you're receiving inpatient services, you probably are not able to smoke anyhow. And most treatment facilities now, whether we're talking about psychiatric or substance abuse, um, will assist people who are receiving inpatient services by giving them a patch, one of the nicotine uh, replacement medications, you know, the patch, the transdermal patch. And that's really wonderful, but the hardest transition, of course, then comes when a person, you know, is discharged and goes back home to their familiar environment. So one of the things that I'd like to talk about is um, the fact that using nicotine, you know, smoking um, or using moist tobacco, chew tobacco, is highly addictive because of the nicotine But most of the harm comes from all the toxins and the chemicals, you know, that are in the cigarette or in the moist tobacco. But because it's not intoxicating, people um, are able to use tobacco all the time. And so it gets completely integrated into your lifestyle. You know, when you get up in the morning, you smoke a cigarette. When you have a cup of coffee, you smoke a cigarette. Um, When you get in the car or you get off at your bus stop to go to work or go to school, you smoke a cigarette. And this is one of the reasons why it's so hard to quit, because there are so many cues and triggers in your environment that remind you, um, oh, it's time to have your cigarette. And so when that your normal kind of lifestyle is disrupted, you know, that's a good time to quit. Or if a person just feels like they have too much going on, you know, right then, trying to become uh, more stable and get the symptoms of their, their behavioral health disorder, their mental illness stabilized, we still can talk about quitting tobacco at a time when a person feels like, you know, they have some support. And one of the things that's really important is giving people a chance to get prepared, And to think about, if I'm not going to smoke a cigarette every time I have a coffee, you know, what am I going to do instead? What is my plan? And there are two things that really improve a person's chances of success dramatically. And one is to use counseling um, to help you find those new ways of coping um, and practical skills for, you know, dealing with those urges and compulsions to use tobacco and the other thing is to use one of the seven FDA-approved medications and combining the counseling and that medication will double, at least double, a person's chances of success. So when I say it's really important to help people get prepared, I think one of the things that happens usually is a tobacco user will just try to quit cold turkey. You know, I'm just going to quit on my own. I'm, I'm tired of spending all this money and I'm just going to quit. And that cold turkey method is only about three to five percent success rate. And so people get very um, discouraged, and they think, either, "Oh, this is too much for me, that you know, I, I just can't seem to make it for longer than a couple of days." or, you know, the patch failed. I was using the patch, and even that didn't work. So we have to do a much better job of helping people. Get prepared, get some information, um, come up with a plan for how they think you know, is going to work best for them and how they're going to be most successful, and then make sure we have those appropriate supports in place um, to help the person kind of get through that withdrawal, that early withdrawal period especially. And I guess this might be a good time to disclose to all the listeners that I'm a former tobacco user myself. I haven't smoked in about 30 years, um, but I know what I'm talking about. It's it's very difficult to quit, and I did it before we even had any options for um, medication support, but it really can be done, and then eventually um, you don't have those compulsions. You don't have that urge to smoke any longer, and you get completely on the other side of the addiction, where you really are very comfortable in knowing that you're an ex-smoker, you know, and you're not going to go back to using tobacco.
2: That's wonderful to point out. Thank you for um, uh, letting us know that, that you were a former smoker. That's, that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations on that. 30 years has been a, it's a lot. Um, well, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. So back to when they, you know, they didn't have all these help back then, um, it's really, I think, important to note now the the wonderful things we do have out there. So I appreciate your talking about the um, medications, the nicotine replacement we have out there as well as as the counseling because I think that's um, a huge benefit to all of our listeners. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to to also note, um, so... What, what if I wanted to quit smoking today? One of our listeners wants to quit smoking today, and, and they do great for three days. You know, what, what is the probability of it if it working if, they, if they, they, they don't last, and then three days later they do have a cigarette? I mean, what, what message do we want to send to those people?
3: You know, the first thing I would say to those people is you did fabulous. You were able to abstain from using tobacco for three days, and you did that during the time when the withdrawal symptoms, the nicotine withdrawal symptoms, are the strongest.
2: Okay. Andrea, I'm so sorry. We're going to cut right there, and we will come right back to uh, normalizing relapse when we come back to the show. Great. Thank you so much.
5: Common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, family centered recovery for co occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders.
0: It's time to experience radical well being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well being. And learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel.
6: Children with chronic conditions shouldn't have to just live with it. There are many alternative options that can reduce, reverse, or even eliminate the effects of chronic illness in our children. On Kids Health Revolution Radio with host Deborah Morgan, we'll explore these alternatives to help you take care of your children. It's time to take our kids' health back. Listen every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Hello and welcome back to One Hour Time with Mary Woods. Uh, I'm your host Melissa Saracen, filling in today for Mary, and we are here with Andre Aubrey. And before the break, we um, discussed um, smoking and and um, for our uh, participants or clients who are trying to quit or have decided to quit and and did do so. Um, what kind of message do we want to send to them if they've had a relapse or they've had some slip-ups when they're trying to quit.
3: Well, thanks, Melissa. And, you know, the main message I want to get across to people is even if you've had a slip, you were successful. You were able to quit smoking or using chewing tobacco or other tobacco products, um, probably during the time when it's been most difficult and your withdrawal symptoms are the strongest. And we know that this is a, a chronic condition, that nicotine is very, very addictive, and we just know that people are going to have relapses, and that's just part of it. And so we need to be prepared for that. And um, having a little slip is different than having a relapse. So just because you've gone back and you've smoked a cigarette or two or three, um, if you just go back to your quit plan, you can prevent that from becoming a full-blown relapse. And I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the nicotine withdrawal, because we know when people quit smoking, they get in a really bad mood. And that's just the brain craving the nicotine. And so it becomes more difficult to concentrate. People usually get easily frustrated. They get angry. Lots of folks can get depressed, irritability. Sometimes people get headaches. And so it's a really tough addiction to overcome. And I had mentioned earlier that we have seven FDA-approved medication options. And I want to talk about three of them that are over-the-counter medications that are pretty familiar to most people. Um, The nicotine replacement patch, the gum, and the lozenge. And the idea with these medications is it gives your body just enough of the nicotine to take the edge off your withdrawal symptoms. And that way, we can really concentrate on the behavioral habit um, and start to to break those patterns or develop new patterns, and then also to help us focus on the psychological dependence. You know, I mentioned earlier that because um, tobacco is not intoxicating, it gets completely integrated into our life. And so, when we're a little down, we smoke cigarettes. When we're bored, we smoke cigarettes. When we're anxious, we smoke cigarettes to calm down. When we're depressed. We smoke cigarettes to give us a little lift. When something bad happens, we smoke cigarettes. And so we have to break not just the physical dependency, but that psychological dependency, you know, and the behavioral habit. So the idea with the medications is it makes you just a little bit more comfortable so you can think about that psychological dependence and the behavioral habit. The medications will not completely take those withdrawal symptoms away. They just help them not be quite so bad. And we know that even the worst cravings only last a couple of minutes. So we tell people to to use the Ds. Distract yourself. Delay that next cigarette. Take some deep breaths. Drink water. You know, do something, and that's why the counseling helps, you know, to really help you come up with a plan. Those nicotine replacement medications that patch the gum and the lozenge are not addictive the way a cigarette is. Because you smoke the cigarette, that nicotine reaches your brain in like 10 seconds, and the whole reward pathway of your brain just lights up and you feel better. And so... Um, the patch and the gum and the lozenge. It's a lower dose of nicotine and it's steadier. So you don't get that same kind of response you do as when you smoke the cigarette. And because people are already smoking or, you know, using chew tobacco, those nicotine replacement medications are very, very safe. You can take them even if you're taking antidepressants, antipsychotic medications, um, medications for your diabetes or your cardiovascular health. You know, all your medications are already interacting with the nicotine that you're smoking. It's just the nicotine replacement. The gum, the patch, and the lozenge is very clean nicotine. You don't have all that chemical and toxins, you know, that you have in the cigarette. So people can feel like it's really safe for them to try those products. They're over the counter. And of course, I would always encourage people to talk to their counselor, you know, talk to their primary care doctor or their nurse practitioner or whomever it is that's helping you with your other medications and let them know that you really want to quit smoking and that you need their help and you need their support. And they really should be there for you.
2: Absolutely, and absolutely. And it sounds like there's, you know, a lot of different op- options out there. Um, before the break, well, you mentioned um, quitting uh, cold turkey is about a 3 to 5% um, success rate. Um, do you have any idea or, wh- or what is the information you have on the success rate of um, using a nicotine replacement like one of these patches or, or the gums? Um, either with or without the conjunction of also the counseling that um, one would get?
3: Well, if you just use one of the medications, you're probably, you know, just by estimate, talking probably about a 15% success rate. But if mm-hmm. you combine that with the counseling, now you're talking about 30% success rate, between 30 and 40%. And some of it depends on how intensive the counseling is. And when I say intensive, I don't mean, you know, like a, an hour-long time of talking to a therapist. I just mean maybe 15 to 20 minutes of talking with someone who is expert in being able to help people quit tobacco maybe three or four times. So the national quit lines are very, very effective, and I have some information we can share with your listeners about how to access that. I'm in Florida, and in Florida... Um, through Tobacco Free Florida, we have some options also for face-to-face uh, counseling in a group session, and we have success rates of about forty percent because you're combining the medication, help from a counselor, and then also you know the other members of the group, other people who are trying to quit who can be supportive. So that's kind of a general idea about the success rates. And I don't know, would now be a good time, Melissa, can I just share that national um, information about quit lines? Yeah, absolutely. We could even
2: reiterate it at the the end, but then now would be great for our listeners to hear that, yeah.
3: So if you call this number, regardless of what state you're in, um, you will get connected with resources or the quit line in your state. And this is supported by the um, Center for Disease Control. And that number is 1- 800-QUIT-NOW. So it's pretty easy to remember. 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Even if you're not ready to quit, you can call that number and get a little bit more information so you know about what kind of help is available in your state, you know, when you do get ready to quit.
2: Wonderful. So so does
3: that line like you just mentioned also have the counselors or just locations? That's a... um that's a one number for people to access help and it will direct you to your state, to the resources in your state. So in some states, um, yeah, there's lots of counseling and you may even get some samples of the nicotine replacement medications. It just depends on where you live. But you will always get access to help that way.
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with everyone. Um, So back to the counseling um, what, so if somebody's never um, had counseling or never really talked about it, maybe there's the first time they're thinking about quitting, what kinds of things could some of these um, counselors be either trained to do or might already do? Like, say you were going to give a training, what kind of coping skills and things might uh, be most beneficial to somebody who wants to quit smoking?
3: Okay. I think that the, the most important step and the first step is to help the person identify the benefits of quitting for them personally. So it doesn't really help at all to try to scare people and tell them about you know some disease they may get if they're not able to quit, but we want each person to really think about a personal benefit. And so it may be just you wanna be able to walk around the block without wheezing or having shortness of breath. You may want to be alive to see your, your grandchildren Um, be born or graduate from high school, Um, maybe you're concerned about secondhand smoke and the effects on your pets or your children, but for each person, there's some really personal benefit, whether it's a health-related benefit um, or a social benefit like, you know, having clean white teeth, for example, or smelling better. Um, But that really is the first step, you know, something positive that you want, not just trying to avoid something negative. So that's kind of the first step or the first place where a counselor would start. And then something that's very effective is picking a date and making that your quit date. So you can cut down on your cigarettes a little bit, getting ready for the date, um, but people who do the best, have the most success, have a very distinct date. Like, for example, we might say, okay, on Thanksgiving Day, you know, the 24th of November, that's my quit date. No more cigarettes that day from thereafter. And it's good to pick a date a couple of weeks in advance So that if you decide you want to use one of the medications, you have time to talk to your doctor, your nurse practitioner, or buy some nicotine replacement medication, or many state Medicaid plans. And because of the Affordable Care Act, many people can get those medications without having to pay for it. So you need some time to get all that figured out. Next step is um, getting prepared. So you want to change your environment. So, if you're smoking a favorite brand of cigarettes, you might want to change to one of those bargain brands that you don't like so much. Start to establish some no-smoking zones, like, for example, maybe you don't smoke in your house any longer, only smoke outside, or you never smoke in your car. So, no, just trying to make it a little bit Sorry,
2: Andre. Those are some wonderful ideas. I think that they'll be really helpful to um, help those who quit. We're going to go to a quick break and we will pick that right back up when we come back. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
4: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
5: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders that's westbridge.org family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders
0: step by step you made it through the journey of pregnancy now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey breastfeeding as a new parent you receive a lot of advice much of it conflicting some of it outdated Tune in to Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
6: Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time.
2: Hi, and welcome back to the show, One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods. Guest hosting today is Melissa Saracen, and I am here with our uh, Andre Aubrey. I apologize. I keep swapping those out. Um, and before the break, we were just discussing um, how to really the the tools that counselors can have in their toolbox to help somebody who's decided to to quit and and make a change. And some of the points we've already talked about is really personalizing it for that person and making sure that it's really important to them, Um, the importance of having a quit date and having that set in stone to really help yourself and put it out a couple weeks so you have time to get prepared and talk to your doctor about medications you might want to be using.
3: Yeah, and I think we talked about maybe a couple of next steps after that is um, the importance of telling your family and friends and getting support for quitting. And I bet you there's lots of uh, tobacco users that are listening right now that are rolling their eyes because sometimes family and friends uh, just remind us of the times we failed in the past, or they say things like, oh, no, not, not again. You're going to be in such an evil, bad mood. But it really is important to let your family and friends know you're trying to make a quit attempt. It's a very hard thing to do in secret, and we need that support. And we have to just tell family and friends that this is normal. Most people actually try 20 to 30 times before they're successful long term, and that's just what it takes. So after we've let family and friends know, I think it's important for us to figure out how we're going to reward ourselves once we give up those cigarettes because we oftentimes use cigarettes as a reward. When I get all my housework done, I'm going to take a break and sit down and smoke a cigarette. When I do a good job, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to have a cigarette. So if we're not going to do that, what kind of nice things can we do for ourselves on a daily basis? Sure, we can save our money and and you know buy something big or go on a little trip. But every day we need to do something to help us feel better, um, to help us relax, to soothe ourselves when we're we're not feeling so good. And so it may be just some deep breathing or looking at a funny video or just something that is a little reward for us along the way. And so then we hit our quit day, no tobacco after that at all. Um, We may have to change the way we socialize or who we hang out with or what we're doing for a little while. Um, but over time, I can only assure people it does get better and it does get easier. And we just have to be very patient with ourselves. We have to be kind. Um, we have to know that it's, you know, it's a challenge to quit. So we have to be extra nice with ourselves. And when we have a slip, it's just a slip. Um, that's all it is. And so the next day, we just put the patch back on and, um, what I want to say, one of the things that's really important is combining the patch with the gum or the lozenge short term. So if I know I'm going out with friends and then they generally smoke, I want to make sure I have some gum or that nicotine lozenge with me to help me um, deal with the cravings so they're not so strong. And then just celebrate our success. We need to be very proud. It's, if you can quit smoking, you can do anything. That's a wonderful point. Um, I think it definitely
2: takes a lot of determination to do that. Um, Now, you mentioned the, you know, combining the two. So, the smoking with, excuse me, the patch with the the lozenge and the gum. Um, Mm
3: -hmm. Because because the patch works long-term, you know, long-term kind of keeps you comfortable But then people will have breakthrough cravings. If I'm always smoking a cigarette at 10.30, because that's when I take my coffee break, you know, I can guarantee at 10.30, your body's going to be craving that nicotine. So what you would do would be put your patch on in the morning, and then at 10.15, you want to use some of the gum or the lozenge. So you can use it to anticipate when you're going to have cravings, or if you feel that craving coming on, you want to use the gum, use the lozenge, and help yourself get through that. And it gives you something to do instead of using tobacco. And you can combine those products. It's very safe.
2: And, and uh, would you put that in the same category as the distract when we were talking about, you know, trying to get through a withdrawal craving that only lasts a short period of time? Is that the right time to use a piece of, of gum or a lozenge to take away that
3: craving? Yes. You can use it when you, you anticipate it would have been your regular time to use tobacco or when you're having a craving. And then you can try other methods to distract yourself, too. You might have a game that you want to play on your phone, which keeps your hands busy. You may want to take up a habit that makes it difficult to smoke, like I started knitting. Well, you can't knit with two knitting needles in your hands and smoke a cigarette at the same time. You can take a walk and breathe the fresh air. Um, You really want to think about all those reasons that you had that led you to quit smoking in the first place and really focus on what do you really want. Do you want the cigarette? Or I used to tell myself I wanted to have pink, healthy lungs, and I wanted to be able to breathe easy. So those kind of things you can also use to distract yourself when you're having a craving.
2: And I noticed you, you mentioned, um, you know, distracting your hands because it's definitely, you know, a behavioral habit, I think, for a lot of people. A lot mm-hmm. of our younger um, listeners and, and our participants um, have swapped one um, habit out with the other, and that's the use of these new e-cigarettes and these these
3: handheld vaporizers. What kind of information can you share with us on that? You know, the e-cigarettes and the vaping, it's really a, a complicated subject. And so there's a lot that we don't yet know about e-cigarettes. So what we do is we call that traditional smoking combustible tobacco, right, because you light it and you smoke it. And the danger with the regular smoking combustible tobacco is that you have thousands of toxins and chemicals, you know, along with the tobacco smoke. So comparing that to the e-cigarettes, we could say that e-cigarettes are safer than that conventional combustible tobacco because you don't have as many toxins and chemicals. But what we cannot say is that e-cigarettes are safe because we don't really know all of what's in an e-cigarette. And there is some evidence um, that there can be health uh, consequences or problems with lung health um, because of the e-cigarettes. But they are less harmful than regular combustible tobacco. But one of the greatest challenges is that The e-cigarettes are not approved to help people quit smoking, although the general public has just kind of adopted e-cigarettes to help themselves quit smoking. Mm -hmm. And to really benefit from an e-cigarette, a person would have to completely give up all other smoking, you know, no more smoking regular cigarettes. And so the addiction to the nicotine is maintained, And we don't really know yet about the long-term harm that comes from e-cigarettes. There's just a lot more uh, research that needs to be done. So two points I want to make. We know in Florida, um, from the data we have, because we have a very strong tobacco program, Tobacco-Free Florida, we know that people who are using e-cigarettes to help themselves get off of regular cigarettes don't have as much success so they're, um, they're about 10% less likely to be successful. At least that's how the data looks in Florida. So that's one concern.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Actually, I have three. The second concern is mm-hmm. because you can use e-cigarettes pretty much everywhere, there's not a lot of regulation yet. I was in the health food store recently, and somebody was smoking the e-cigarette on the organic produce aisle. Um, You can be getting more nicotine even than you were just smoking conventional cigarettes. And then the third concern is that all of a sudden vaping has become very popular among young people, you know, younger teens and young adults. And so the public health community is really concerned that the progress we had been making about social norms where it just wasn't cool to smoke anymore that that's changing, and now vaping is becoming pretty cool. Um, But as I said, we don't know about the long-term harms, and I just want to remind everybody that the traditional tobacco companies are buying up the e-cigarette companies. So the tobacco industry has not always been forthright uh, with the American public about the dangers of smoking, and so I think we have to be very cautious about um, what's said about the safety of e-cigarettes. So I apologize. I know that was a very long answer to your question, Melissa. Um, That's it's complicated. Yes, and I appreciate you shedding
2: some light on that. I know it's something that comes up for um, our um, listeners a lot, though there's always questions about it. Um, a lot of people who are looking to quit are looking for, you know, any way they can and any any avenue to do that, and so if this is going to be something that they think is going to be beneficial or helpful or their friends are doing it, and it's really important to get that message out that, you know, there isn't a lot of data and there isn't a lot of research behind it where there is a lot of um, evidence-based strategies that you're talking about here today that are known and they are proven to work, Um, and so I think it's important to get that message out as well that, you know, one is
3: is not nearly as evidence-based as the other That's a good point. And I guess, you know, the concern is that, um, you know, youth in America really are turning away from smoking, you know, and those rates are going down, but we see a dramatic increase in the use of other tobacco products like e-cigarettes and hookah. And there was a recent article in the journal Pediatrics that was just published this summer, and they documented that adolescents who smoke e-cigarettes are six times more likely than their peers who don't smoke e-cigarettes to eventually start smoking cigarettes. So there's a lot of concern that uh, people start with e-cigarettes, you know, young people, and then will transition to the more conventional um, tobacco products. So
2: Wonderful. that worries the
3: public health community quite a bit.
2: Absolutely. We're going to take a break right here, and we come back, we will talk more about um, the tobacco cessation. Thank you so much.
6: Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you have been experiencing addiction issues, be it drugs, alcohol, or something else, you know what it means to feel alone in the world. The Power to Create Yourself with host Ross Ramin is here to prove that you don't have to feel this way. There are others who have been there or are still there. And together, we can sort out the truths and the lies in order to reveal the true essence of your character. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Helping you make informed decisions for your
1: life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time.
2: Hello, and welcome back to the show, One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods. I'm Melissa Saracen, guest hosting for Mary Today, and I am here with Andre Aubrey, and we are talking about helping people quit and how tobacco is the problem, not the solution. And before the um, break, we talked a little bit about e-cigarettes, but I want to get on to another topic, and, and I know a lot of um, clients in the behavioral health field you know, are concerned that you know, if they quit
3: smoking, that their mental illness might actually even get worse. Yes, and I, I can appreciate that concern, and I hear that concern expressed by um, counseling staff, um, as well as family members and consumers themselves. And so, there really is this pretty pervasive idea uh, that people benefit from smoking, but we have to remember that smoking kills half of the people who are using tobacco, And so even if there was some benefit, we would never encourage somebody to use a substance that's going to kill 50% of the people who are using it. And there really is um, lots of emerging uh, research and information in this area in the last couple of years. And so there was a study published in 2014, and it was a meta-analysis. And so the authors took a look at 26 longitudinal studies. So they looked at studies that followed people over a a pretty long period of time. And they assessed folks' mental health uh, before they quit smoking and then six weeks after they were able to quit. And they looked at people who were members of the general population and they looked at um, members of the population that were using behavioral health services And what the authors were able to conclude was that there was consistent evidence that stopping smoking is really associated with improvements in depression, anxiety, stress, psychological quality of life, and positive mood. And that the effect sizes were actually equal or larger than those of antidepressant treatment for mood and anxiety disorders. So rather than... Smoking helping people, you know, what we see is that a person's mental health condition is likely to improve after they're able to quit smoking. And even the Surgeon General's report in um, 2014 really was very clear in saying that smoking and nicotine has no established role in helping people who are experiencing severe mental illness. So we need to stop. Uh, supporting this idea that smoking is a benefit, and instead, as you mentioned earlier, Melissa, really offer people evidence-based treatment and help them be able to quit. And yes, it's challenging, and yes, it can be stressful in and of itself, but we know with time that a person's um, mood, their overall mental health condition is going to improve. And one thing we haven't had a chance to talk about, and I'm just going to mention this really briefly, is that the tars in cigarette smoke really affects the rate at which the liver metabolizes certain medications. And so when a person is able to quit smoking, um, they may be able to have their medication adjusted downward, so they have lower doses of their antipsychotic medications or antidepressant medications. So two things. When a, a person quits, it's really important that the whole uh, team, you know, their whole medical team is aware of it and can really monitor their medications, and they may be able to reduce how much medication they use, which is another really important benefit. Now with people who have um, substance abuse problems, we know that quitting tobacco while they're quitting their other drugs does not interfere with treatment. It doesn't um, cause a risk to a person's sobriety, and it doesn't do any harm and in many instances may even improve a person's long-term success You know, with abstinence from their other drugs. So whether we're talking about um, mental illness or other substance use disorders. We know that quitting smoking really contributes overall to a person's quality of life, um, reduces their risk of disease and disability, and you just feel so much better, you know, when you're able to quit smoking. And so that's that's an important message, you know, yeah, for consumers, but that's an important message for clinicians too. And we really have a responsibility to make sure people have... You know, training and education, so we can do a better job of helping folks quit tobacco.
2: Absolutely, I couldn't agree uh, more. Because, I mean, a lot of our our clients who decide they want to quit smoking and, and they're ready. Um, it's important for them to have the not just just the support from their family and friends, but from their counselors and and from the people who work with them um, every day through their mental illness and their substance use. Um, So I think it's really important to make sure they have that training and that that information
3: that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, quitting smoking can help people in lots of other ways, too. We see that um, housing is going uh, tobacco-free, and HUD, Housing and Urban Development, has recently come out with a lot of rules about uh, public housing going smoke-free. And we know for people who are seeking employment, a lot of employers don't want to hire you any longer if you're a smoker, and so it's not just your health that benefits, you know, your employability and and just your overall quality of life is so much better. You save a lot of money. Um, it really supports goals for independent living, and it really is an excellent role model um, or an excellent model for self-management of recovery, just like we do with other conditions. You know, you know, in times of stress, you might be tempted to smoke a cigarette, so you just have to kind of monitor that stress and be aware when you're starting to have cravings and kind of get back to your original plan of, um, you know, why you wanted to quit in the first place, maybe using a little bit more of the gum and the lozenge. We really recommend people use that short-term gum and lozenge for maybe even up to five years after they've quit, to just have a little bit so when you get in a situation where you're tempted to use tobacco, you know, you have a plan. You have something right there that you can help yourself, because it's very normal to have relapses. That's just part of the whole process. Yeah, and it's a really good
2: point that you mentioned up, up to five years, because. Mm-hmm. It can take a really long time, and it is a really a lifelong change. We only have a few minutes left, and I want to make sure before we get to the end of the show that we do get a chance to give people some um, resources to get in touch with you or, or uh, the quit line again so that they have those resources um, at the fingertips. Do you want to give out some of that contact information?
3: Okay. Well, the um, national quit line, again, is 1-800-QUIT-NOW, and that will connect you to resources in your state and if people would like to contact me that would be fine and i'd be glad to give my email address so okay. it's my first name a n d like dog r e e dot and then my last name aubrey a u b like boy r e y at med m e d dot f s u like florida state university dot Edu. Do you think I should say that again, Melissa? Um. Yes, yeah, sure. Br- uh, briefly, real quick, before the end of the show, that would be great. Okay. It's Andre Aubrey. A N D R E E dot Aubrey. A U B R E Y at med. And i would welcome to hear from you. Thank you, Andre,
1: so much for being on the show with us today. Oh, thank you, Melissa.